Father, we thank you for the atmosphere in this place this morning. God, we thank you for your presence in this house this morning. God, we ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in this place. God, as we take this symbolic gesture today, as we learn about what it truly means, God, I ask you to sear it into our hearts and souls that we don't leave this place the way we came, but we changed by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, Josh is right. I am excited. I, um, I feel like last Sunday during the message, God was kind of already preparing me for this one. <laughs> um, there was just things stirring in me. I, I had actually intended to do communion last Sunday with it being Christmas Sunday. I thought well, that'd be kind of cool. And well, that didn't work. It didn't happen. I didn't get my ducks in a row. And after, during the week this week, um, somebody inquired about communion. I said, well, it just so happens <laughs> that I'm already writing the message. Because I felt like God had already put it in me last week and, and wanted me to share something specific. I, I will say this. I know that, that this particular message, that I, I'll re- as I record these, We'll go out on a podcast later. So anyone who's actually listening to this or maybe even you later who would like to do communion with your family in another setting, that this message will be available for that. I want you to prepare for it. I think it's a good thing that we do communion even in our private times, even in our, our home setting. A lot of the places that I minister do communion every week. It, it becomes symbolic. Um, I, I, I don't... Um, I don't want it ever to become ritualistic in me. I want it to have a, a power and an impact. I watched that, uh, that movie, Passion of the Christ, once. <laughs> I can't do it again. I don't know that I could sit through that thing again. That thing, it tore me up. But I will tell you this, I've never taken communion again the same since because I have a different understanding of what it truly means today. And, and I pray today when we leave here, that you too will have an understanding of this. In the message that I shared yesterday on my podcast, I was doing my story time with Buster I do on Saturdays, trying to catch up. But there was a little excerpt in that that I want to share with you because it really caught my attention. I think it has some bearing on where we are with this today. We're starting a new year, first Sunday of a new year. And here you are in the presence of God. What a way to start a year. What, What a way to take that first step. Somebody said that on midnight of New Year's Eve, you needed to be standing on your right foot with your left foot hung in the air. That way you started out on the right foot this year. Take that for whatever it's worth. <laughs> if you didn't, sorry. Um, <laughs> but in this, in this message I was doing yesterday, there was a little excerpt in there that really caught my attention. He says, just as water must keep flowing to stay pure, people do too. I mean, we, we, of course, here in Oklahoma, you know what a pond looks like, right? It's usually full of moss, and you can't fish in it because you can't get your lure through it. Don't matter if there's fish in it or not. It's thick. Why is that? Mostly because they're stagnant. They're, they're, they're withheld. There's a dam in place that keeps that water motionless. So it doesn't purify itself. Moving water actually is what keeps it pure. People must have vision, purpose, and destination. You know, I know that in the process of this church, there will be a new pastor at some point. And that pastor is going to have a vision. Right now, 
Our purpose, I think we all understand. Our purpose is to serve the Lord. We understand our destination. Our destination is eternal life with Christ. Our vision will be cast as a new leadership takes over. But that vision is going to be much the same as it is today, even where we stand right now, to pursue the Lord. To do everything in our power to see his movement in this place. To, to see this church begin to affect a community. And it's not that we're the only one. But we need to be part of what's happening spiritually in this community, in this county, in the adjacent counties, in the adjacent towns. I found it very interesting in this yesterday that he says Israel celebrates the Feast of Unleavened Bread to remember that they had to leave Egypt in such haste that their bread did not have time to become leavened. So they, they celebrate this, this Feast of Unleavened Bread simply because they left there in such a hurry they didn't have time to wait for their bread to rise. <laughs> I've often wondered about leavened, you know. I, I've always considered it had to be an ingredient of some sort. I'm not a baker. I fry stuff. I don't bake things, <laughs> obviously. But, uh, but, but that, that leavened is, is technically, it's, it's the yeast which causes bread to rise. So unleavened bread is without yeast. And they celebrate this because of the fact that they left in such a hurry. When God opened that door for them to leave Egypt and they left in such a hurry, they'd have time for the bread to become leavened. Leaven also speaks of two things scripturally, lawlessness and legalism. Leaven, or yeast, speaks of lawlessness and legalism in scriptural references. Either of these will creep into our lives if we stop moving and growing in the Lord. Legalism and lawlessness can find its way into us if we stop flowing, if we stop moving, and if we stop seeking God. That was actually handwritten. It wasn't even in my notes, so that'll be for free, Josh. <laughs> I titled this message today, The Lord's Supper. It's kind of how this all came about. The setting here is, is, is that I want to bring or start us with anyway is when Jesus taught the 5,000. Now, we, we've seen the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish in the scripture. And afterward, his disciples head out across the sea. And while Jesus went away to pray after his teaching, and he comes to them walking on the water in the storm, the wind, the waves. And we know the story, one of my favorite stories, where Peter gets out of the boat, that kind of, well, we're not going there. But now we catch up over on the other side of the sea. And people have realized that Jesus ain't here anymore. He's gone. He's not with us. So in John chapter 6, starting with verse 24. John chapter 6, starting with verse 24. And I, I'm going to be in the Amplified, so it's going to look a little different. But I want to express some things in a couple of places here. So when the, when the crowd had saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they boarded small boats themselves, and they came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And they found him on the other side of the sea. And they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? You know? I mean, they didn't see him take a boat, right? So they're a little confused. Jesus goes on to say, verse 26, Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, you have seen, you have been searching for me, not because of you saw the signs, 
the attesting miracles, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. You didn't come after me because you saw the miraculous things of God. You came after me because you got a free meal out of the deal. Now you're looking for breakfast. Right? Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For God the Father has authorized him and put his seal on him. Then they ask him, well, what are we to do so that we may habitually be doing the works of God? That's a pretty good question. What are we to do that we are habitually doing the works of God? Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe, that you adhere to, that you trust in, you rely on, and you have faith in the one whom he has sent. So basically Jesus is saying, what should we do to habitually be doing works the works of God? And it's like, well, just believe in me. Follow me. Do as I say. So he's literally telling them, I am the habit that you need to do this. So they said to him, what sign or attesting miracle will you do that we may see it and believe you? What supernatural work will you do as proof? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written in Scripture. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So again, verse 32, Jesus answers and said to them, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, it is not Moses who, get, who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said to them, or they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Verse 35, again, Jesus is replying to them. Just a little side note that I found very interesting. Jesus uses the words, I am, over 20 times in this particular gospel. Especially memorable are those places where I am is followed by a metaphor, declaring his deity or his relationship to mankind as a savior. So just a thought. Because he answers him in verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry, and the one who believes in me as savior will never be thirsty, for that one will be sustained spiritually. The, the thought of, I, I think sometimes we get caught in this. In our, in our human nature, I think sometimes we fail to see the spiritual things that God is looking for us to find. Because they're looking at, well, a bread that I can eat and never be hungry again? Awesome. Where is this bread? They weren't catching it. They're, they're still in their physical mindset. They're failing to see what Jesus is trying to get them to see spiritually, that, that when you partake of me, you'll never lack again. All that my Father gives you, I'll back up one, I missed one, 36, but as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that my Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will most certainly not cast out. I'll never reject anyone who follows me. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me I lose nothing, but that I give new life 
and raise it up at the last day. For this is my Father's will and purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him as Savior will have eternal life, and I will raise Him up from the dead on the last day. Verse 41, the Jews are starting to get a little bothered by this. So they're letting their religiosity kick in here. Verse 41, now the Jews murmured and found fault with him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They kept saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now have the arrogance to say, I've come down out of heaven? So again, they're missing something here. They're missing the story that we already have shared. They're, they're not coming to an understanding that this guy's doing some crazy things. This guy's not functioning like a normal human. He's performing miracles that no one's ever seen before. But they're not buying into it. They're not seeing it for what it truly is because they're still caught in their own selfishness, in their own way of life. Verse 43, so Jesus answered, stop murmuring among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, giving him a desire to come to me. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught of God. Everyone who has listened and, ever, and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, he who believes... He's literally saying, he who believes in me is Savior, whoever adheres to me, whoever trusts in me, relies on me, has faith in me, already has eternal life. I am the bread of life, the living bread which gives and sustains life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, believes in me, accepts me as Savior, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? <laughs> Again, they're missing something here. And Jesus said to them again, verse 53, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Basically what he's saying is unless you believe in me as Savior and believe in the saving power of my blood, which will be shed for you, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, even so the one who feeds on me will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. It is not like the manna our fathers ate, and they eventually died. The one who eats this bread, believes in me and accepts me as Savior, will live forever." Obviously, the gist of that entire piece of Scripture, Jesus is the bread of life. His bloodshed for redemption of our sin. In 
In the process of communion, oftentimes I think we, we miss out on some of the element, some of the true meanings behind what we need to, to really significantly pay attention to. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 34, he gives some instructions to the church of Corinth. As he's leading the Corinthian church in this, I think as he addresses them, it's something that we too should really pay close attention to. So 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 34, he says, For I received from the Lord himself that instruction which I passed on to you. For the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup, is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me. It's really cool how he references that, that any time we take communion, that we do so in remembrance of him. And then when I see that scripture now, it takes me back to that scene in that movie. We're doing this when we're breaking bread and we're drinking that cup in the, in the remembrance of what he did at Calvary, what he endured that night after his arrest. Uh, the scenes in that movie still just... I can't hardly get away from that. You know, that, 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 that ripping of flesh, the, the stripes that he took on, the, the, his body broken for us, you know, as, as he references in these scriptures. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are symbolically proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. But a person must prayerfully examine himself and in his relationship to Christ, and only when he has done so should he eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats, this, or eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ, eats and drinks judgment on himself, if he does not recognize the body of Christ. To take communion in just because we should or just because it's handed to us or just because we do this every Sunday or whatever it may be, we're, we're missing an element. We're, we're becoming ritualistic. That legalism that we talked about right off the bat, that's what ritualistic things happen from, legalism. I know that for the most part in the church I grew up in, we took communion periodically and usually had some significant service around it. It's, it's really why I felt so compelled to, for this to be this day, this first Sunday into 2022. Leaving that mess behind us, we're moving forward. We're not looking back. God's got something big. He has been stirring in my heart. I, I, I wish he'd give me some real reference to something because all I know is something's coming. Don't know what it is. Don't know when, don't know how. I just know in my heart something's coming. God is sending his spirit. This is our time. We are in a time in this nation where his spirit is going to rise up. We're in those latter days. I want to be a part of that. If anyone pays any attention to my podcast, I've been talking about revival. 
You know, I, I used to make fun of revival. I still do to some degree. <laughs> How do you schedule revival? I, I know, I know. We, we do that, right? I mean, we plan for an evangelist to come, and we have services lined up for three or four or five days. But in my mind, in my, my mind, isn't always in the right place. But in my mind, I'm thinking, so do you like get on God's date book? On his calendar? Hey, hey, God, we, can, have you got these dates here open so that you can show up for us? Because we're going we're gonna to plan a revival. We're going we're gonna to schedule you to show up. I, I know I, I probably shouldn't make fun of that because we do do this. We, we have to do this. We need, we need those moments where we invite someone in. But I've always found it funny that we try to schedule an outpouring of God's Spirit. My question, I guess, to that is, why don't we come in here every day ready for one? Is, is that not what coming together, meeting together, co- coming together as, as a body, is that not what it's all about? We've lost power. <laughs> it's all right. This, this carelessness and the unworthy participation is, is the reason that many among you are weak and sick. Now, this is... Change the battery. <laughs> and, I, you know, I've often had trouble with this piece of Scripture right here. Um, where he says that, that this careless and unworthy participation is the reason why many among you are weak and sick and a number of sleep in death. But if we evaluated and judged ourselves honestly, recognizing our shortcomings and correcting our behavior, we would not be judged. Now, I know that, again, let me hook back up here. Maybe. Waha. Now we're back in the business. Um, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get hung here. Okay. I, I don't want someone to think, Ooh, Josh, you were sick this last week. What you been up to boy? <laughs> See, you have to be careful because I don't, I don't think that we should, I don't think we should waver off into that. You know, I, I know some who do. There, there are a lot of, and again, I think it comes back to that legalism thing. You'll be really careful was said, oh, you're sick? Well, you been sinning? <laughs> that's, not, that's not what he's saying here. And what he's saying is, is when we, when we honestly, I mean, it, I guess it could revolve to that, because if we honestly step away from the things of God, if we honestly in our, in purposely live our life outside the lines that God has drawn, we're inviting all kinds of goodies to us. And, and we very well could become ill and become sick or even die. But he goes on to say, but when we fall short and are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined by undergoing his correction so that we will not be condemned to eternal punishment along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another and see to it that no one is left out. Now, I find it very interesting because some other passages of Scripture talk about this. And it talks about, you know, I mean, I laid that loaf of bread there this morning, and 
I don't know, somebody said something about breakfast, that I brought breakfast. And, and <laughs> some of the scripture reference to that is in these days when they're talking about gathering together, breaking bread together daily, as the Lord gave them the command to do, that, man, if you're hungry, eat before you come so that you can wait patiently for this, so that we do it under sacrificial and sacredly. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever taken communion especially when you see what we got to give you that I came hungry for. <laughs> These COVID packets we got carry a piece of styrofoam in the top. And uh, yeah, if you just leave it on your tongue, it melts away by itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> taken a lot of those in the last year. <laughs> but but there's, a, there's this gist in, in coming... Coming with this, this sacredness to this place. You know, coming to this moment to where we recognize what this means. This loaf of bread, Jesus' body broken for us. This cup filled with his blood shed on Calvary to wash us clean. Someone talked about the rain that came New Year's evening. About how appropriate that that rain washing away the past. Now we have a fresh start into a fresh new year. It's an interesting thought. May it be so. <laughs> May it be so. But as we prepare to observe this holy moment together today, let's look at how Jesus and his disciples partook on that night of Passover. Going to chapter in Luke, chapter 22, and I know it's recorded in, in all three of the Gospels, um, and then, of course, John has his reference too, but Luke... I think brings it kind of at a, at a different angle that I really wanted to bring out. So Luke 22, verse 14 through 20. When the hour for the meal had come, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly wanted to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will not eat again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And then when he had taken the bread and given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And after he had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. As we prepare to take communion this morning, and if, Josh, you want to pass those out. It, I'll give you a moment to figure out the combination to get the lid of that thing off. But uh, <laughs> I like to reflect on what was it like? I know this artist's rendering of The Last Supper I mean, you see some of the conversations that are going on in this picture. And, and, and many of those disciples we see in Scripture where they're, they're asking, so God, um, which one of us is better than the other one? Which one of us you like more? I mean, there, there's a lot of things going wrong, e even among his disciples, even among his closest followers. You know, who's your favorite, you know? And there's a lot of conversations taking place. And, and Jesus is trying to get them to understand, hey, look, man, <laughs> this is the last meal I'm going to eat with you guys. You don't understand what's coming. 
You don't have any idea what's happening. Thank you, sir. You don't have any idea what's, what's coming my way and what I'm prepared to do for you. And, and he, in, in the process of what he's trying to get these guys to see, there is a, a significance that he wants them to gather. He wants them to feel what he's feeling. To, to get an understanding of, man, I'm, I'm fixing to go die for you. I'm fixing to give my life up for you. My body's going to be broken for you. And my blood's going to be shed for your life, for your salvation, for your place. Everybody's managed to get them out. <laughs> take, take this bread. I'm stretching that, but we'll call it that. And I just, I, I want you to think just for a minute. To just take a moment before we take this. And I want you to reflect on what, what Paul asked the Corinthians. How's your life today? H how are you in reference to the Word of God? Do you belong to him? Are you completely surrendered to him? H have you given your life wholeheartedly to him? Do, do you really understand what it is that we're about to do? You see, by, the, Jesus said that, that by my stripes you're made whole. By my brokenness, by what happened to me that night, when, when you partake of this, healing can come. Healing can come to our physical bodies. I, I need healing. I, I got a back that's messed up. I need... I'm, I'm just kind of like a train wreck most of the time. You know, all of us have physical problems, but, but what about our spiritual side? How are we spiritually? You know, we can, we can come to church and make anything look good. I had my own son ask me. We took our youth pastor in Durango, Colorado, uh, 97. So somewhere, 97, 98, we hadn't been there very long. <laughs> And he gets in the truck after Sunday morning service, and, and we're fixing to drive home for the afternoon, and he asks me a real, a real pertinent question that has messed with me my whole life. Dad, how come you're one person in there and you're another person with us? Ouch. But it was true. How often is that true of us? That, that we're one person when we come in here because, you know, we got to put on our, our church coat our church hat, and, and be somebody here, but outside, outside we're entirely different. We shouldn't be. There shouldn't be any difference when we walk out that door. Matter of fact, we ought to leave here fired up, ready to share with somebody what's going on in our heart and our life. This is nothing, nothing more than a refueling position. This is a place where you come in and get fueled up, fired up, and out, back out the door into the world to do the ministry of the gospel what he called us to do. So as we pray over this this morning, examine your heart and know that when you take this element today, that you take so in, in purity, that you take so fully surrendered to the Lord. Just like Paul was saying to the Corinthians, clear your plate, get your head on straight, and then we'll take this together. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to you this this new year this fresh time this first service in 2022 
God, we do so in this, this reverent time of remembering you, remembering what you did for us, the sacrifice, the, the brutal death, the resurrection, the restoration of mankind. You did all of that for us. So God, today as we, as we take this element, as we take this, this semblance of your body, God, I ask you to pour out healing in this place. Healing physically, emotionally, and especially spiritually. That God, that we walk out of this place whole in you above all else. We thank you for this brokenness that you have done on our behalf. In Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten. This cup, this little dab of juice, how, how much did it take to cover your sin? Man, I look at this and I think, oh, Lord, not only am I a big guy, I'm a big mess. What did it take to cover me? Why? Why would you even bother? But he did so, so willingly. And, and, and he did so without ever even thinking about how big of a train wreck I was. He did this for me. When, when you take this juice today, I want you to understand that, that this is the drinking of his blood that was talked about in John. We're, we're, we've ate his flesh. Now we're going to drink of his blood. I know that seems a little creepy, but when you look at it, we are drinking into our salvation. His blood shed on Calvary that washes the sin of man away. There's nothing else like that in, in the world. There's no other element we could take that would, that would bring anywhere near washing away the sin of the world. Let's pray. Father, we lift this cup up to you today, God. This representation of your blood, the blood that you shed so willingly on Calvary, that, 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 that brutal night that you went through, everything that you went through just for our freedom, so that we might claim freedom in our surrender to you. Father, your word says that we're to take up our cross daily and follow you. That that symbolically means that we're to go through this with you as well. And as we take this cup today, Father, I ask that each one of us in our own way, symbolically come to an understanding of crucifixion and your blood shed over each one of us, bringing salvation and purity, washing away of our sin, that we might come to you clean, and that we might be useful to you in this world until you come again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the cup. Josh, if you guys want to, worship team is going to come back and share with us another song. I really want to challenge you today to not leave here the way you came. I fully believe that God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh, just like it was prophesied in Joel. 
Our sons and our daughters will prophesy. Our young men will see visions and our old men will dream dreams. Even on our bond servants, I'll pour out my spirit, is what he said. Even on those who are just a slave unto me that I've set free, but we're still connected. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Let this day be something not only symbolic, but changing in you. Completely surrender to him. Let the fire of God fill you to overflowing today. And let his Holy Spirit wash you new. In Jesus' name, amen.